As I read the gospel lesson, I invite you to turn to the front cover of your bulletin and study the picture there. It is named Tune In, and it's the artist's rendering of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Look at his eyes and the hand that rests on his shoulder. What strikes you? Here now from the gospel according to Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Now, God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. And so it's that time again, into the wilderness we go, following Jesus, placing our feet carefully in the footsteps he has planted before us, the stark journey of the Lenten journey ahead. What can we anticipate this year during this season? What posture do you take? Are we ready to enter the dust of the wilderness or standing on edge waiting to be invited or perhaps even needing a push? Some of us know the wilderness quite intimately, having lingered there for a while. Some of us avoid it at all costs. Many of us are wounded and unable to see beyond the darkness there and know the wilderness better than the other side of Easter. Some of us may be eager to put aside our regular burden and enter the desert for a season. But together we travel it our footsteps beside each other, with Christ just ahead, for we're never alone. It's what one pastor names wilderness faith, the trust that God is beside us as we seek to quench our thirst in a very barren land. We enter it knowing that Easter will come, but we go knowing that Easter means little without it. However we might come, clear-headed, joyful, angry, sorrowful, filled with life, or scraping the bottom of the barrel, 
The season of Lent reminds us again and again that the incarnate Christ knows what it's like to be us and invites us to follow the sacrificial path that Jesus took as he willingly walked the road to the cross and crucifixion. So Jesus has just been baptized in the previous chapter by John the Baptist. The spirit has descended from heaven as a dove and the words of his father ring in his ears. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. These are the words I imagine Jesus clinging to as he leaves behind everything that he knows, everything that shaped him into the unknown, harsh and wild land where he must encounter himself, where he encounters hunger and thirst, battles, temptation, self-doubt, despair, silence, the noise of his own mind, danger, the seduction of power and status, loneliness. Of all these things, who will he listen to? As he becomes weakened by fasting, trying to desperately hold onto his identity and the belovedness of his father, the tempter arrives. So look at that image of Jesus again. It's a silk painting with digital drawing and collage. It's beautiful. Like stealing a glimpse of Christ in prayer or deep thought. His head seems raised in defiance, directed to heaven. The artist, the Reverend Lyle Glengarity, writes about her interpretation of this scripture. In this image, the words of the tempter hover in the background in white. The tempter's voice lingers like a ringing in Jesus' ears saying, take charge, hoard your power, dominate, control. Somehow Jesus has deciphered that these words are simply background noise. He closes his eyes and he goes inward, wrapping himself in a posture of self-embrace. From this introspective perspective, Jesus essentially says, get behind me, Satan. The backdrop of this piece resembles the dust of the desert. Like sand washing along a beach, the sediment shifts into water in the top left, hinting at what bolsters Jesus in his ministry, his belonging to God. His belovedness washes over him, giving him the courage to defy the deception of the tempter and tune into his inner wisdom. In this way, he is given a new song to carry with him, a lullaby from God that goes, you, my child, in you, I am well pleased. This is a melody for singing, a song for dancing. The artist concludes, what are the voices that linger with you like a ringing in your ears? What are the messages that try to deceive or devour you? Let those voices buzz and fade into the background. Close your eyes, tune in, and embrace yourself from your belovedness. What song will you sing? What song will you sing? Wrapped securely in the knowledge that we enter the wilderness with Christ and not alone, we too are claimed as beloved children of God, our identity secured by Christ and not by anything 
we do or say to ourselves? What song do you sing? What is buzzing in your ears? So many of us are trapped in a wilderness of the mind, plagued by self-doubt, self-criticism, constantly degrading ourselves, lured by the same questions Jesus resisted, but not allowing ourselves to claim the grace that that we know is offered to all of God's people. I know that I'm guilty of it. I can be so hard on myself, but eager to remind others to be kind to themselves and grace-filled. But when we fail to love ourselves, how are we to love others? If we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, we need to consider first if we truly believe in our own belovedness. What song do you sing? And do you need to change your tune? Do we trust and believe we are beloved children of God, or do we only see our limitations? Lent is an invitation to again watch as Jesus confronts the fullness of his own humanity, struggling as every one of us does in our lives. I imagine that he bears wounds or or scars that will remain with him from that wilderness time but he emerges triumphant, rejecting the tempter at every turn. In his vulnerability, he has gained strength and proven that he is the savior and Messiah that God intends. Victory doesn't look like wealth or status or power. Victory is remaining faithful to God and remembering who and whose you are. The real temptation is forgetting that we belong to God and thinking that we belong to other things. What gets in the way of seeing our own and others' belovedness? One of my favorite shows, The West Wing. Any fans? Yes. So many great illustrations there, but there's a short but powerful scene between staff members Josh Lyman and Leo McGarry. If you've never seen it, don't worry, it doesn't matter. Josh has spent several episodes showing various concerning behaviors and making statements that result in him needing to see a psychiatrist. Following his appointment, Leo is waiting on a bench to talk with Josh about how the conversation went. Josh tries to brush it off, but Leo tells him the following story after Josh tells Leo there's something bigger going on in him. This guy is walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription and throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along. And the guy shouts out, Father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out? And the priest writes out a prayer and throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah but I've been down here before. 
and I know the way out. Christ has been in the wilderness that we know. Christ knew pain, humiliation, and suffering, and even so chose the path to faithfulness even when it resulted in his death. We don't belong to the wilderness, but we are able to emerge from it together, leaning on Christ who meets us there in that hole, in that wilderness, whatever you might call it. On Wednesday, we began Lent with ashes on our foreheads, reminded of the stark reality that we are only here for a moment. One day we will experience death and return to the earth. No matter how much medicine, cosmetics, exercise, healthy eating, and mindfulness we do, And so we venture into the wilderness, much like the Israelites did after the Exodus. But we set off on a journey to explore who Jesus is, who we are, and what our shared humanity requires of us here and now. It's a journey marked by sitting squarely in the mess of brokenness, pain, and ego, and not turning away. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And so this first temptation targets Jesus' hunger. By now he is famished, his body becoming weaker, his mind fragile. Some of us may know hunger better than others. Some of us may not know hunger at all. But this temptation implies that we as God's beloved people should not hunger Theologian Debbie Thomas writes, in the devil's economy, unmet desire is an aberration, not an integral part of what it means to be human. In inviting Jesus to magically sate his hunger, the devil invites Jesus to deny the reality of the incarnation, to cheat his way to satisfaction instead of waiting, paying attention to his hunger, and leaning into God for lasting fulfillment. This is what we take upon ourselves when we choose to give up for something for Lent, whether it's chocolate or wine or meat, whatever it might be. How is it that we lean into God and seek fulfillment in the Holy One, trusting that God's belovedness will protect us and satisfy us? What does our hunger and our wants teach us? He will command his angels concerning you, And on his hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. So the devil is attacking Jesus at his human core, pointing out his vulnerability, suggesting that he does not have to suffer because he can call on God to save him. Isn't he called God's beloved? This temptation wants Jesus and us To believe that if we are claimed by God, we will not suffer or know pain. If we just believe enough, we will not know brokenness. This is clearly not true, as we know pain intimately, even when we are faithful. Christ reminds us that even in our brokenness, we are beloved, and God does not turn away. All these kingdoms I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
power, status, fame, wealth, you can have it all, whispers the devil. We can be center stage. Our temptation is to hoard power and forget altogether that our sustenance comes from God. It becomes a slippery slope into the prosperity gospel when we believe that our faithfulness is rewarded by God with power and money and stuff. We quickly shed our belovedness for something shinier, tempted by the lure of power and success, when those are things that Christ had neither of. Yet he is the great beloved one who God cherished. At his baptism, Thomas writes, Jesus hears the absolute truth about who he is, the beloved. That's the easy part. The much harder part comes in the wilderness when he has to face down every vicious assault on that truth. When the memory of his father's voice from heaven fades, he has to learn how to be God's beloved in a lonely wasteland. Maybe we, like Jesus, need long stints in the wilderness to learn what it means to be God's precious children. Because the unnerving fact is this, we can be beloved and uncomfortable at the same time. We can be beloved and unsafe at the same time. In the wilderness, the love that survives is flinty, not soft, salvific, not sentimental. Learning to trust it takes time. What song do you sing? Is it one that echoes the world around us? Or is it one that knows the wilderness, has sat in it with Christ, and knows despite our brokenness and pain, we are still the beloved of God? I conclude with this poem by the Reverend Jane Richardson. It's called Beloved is Where We Begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall or the night. But I can tell you that on this path there will be help. I can tell you that on this way there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence whisper our name. Beloved, beloved, beloved. Amen.